Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me. And they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Well, welcome to Mission Unstoppable, and as always, we're about to go on another mission with an amazing guide. Today is Lee Miltier, and Lee is an internationally known and celebrated entrepreneur, visionary, best-selling author, shaman, Reiki healer, award-winning professional speaker, TV personality, and intuitive business mentor. Yes, Lee provides business and success advice and resources to nearly 250,000 people around the globe. She's the founder of Millionaire Smarts Coaching Program, where she supplies coaching for other coaches and businesses. And she's also partnered with Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle, and she runs the Peak Performers Implementation Coaching Program for Entrepreneurs. She's a former host of America's Premier Experts TV show, which aired on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox affiliates. She's also host Untamed Success Positive TV, something we all need, a monthly web-based TV show. And as president of Lee Miltier, Inc., career development strategist, she has counseled and trained more than a million people with her speeches. Now, if I told you everything she's accomplished, we would be reading you an audiobook. So I'm going to stop here. But let me just say, as the author of 11 books, her latest being Reclaim the Magic, The Real Secrets to Manifesting Anything You Want, is a book where she teaches how you can use your intuition for success in both your personal and professional lives. Please welcome Lee. Hello. How, how are you? I'm very good, Frankie. Thank you so much for asking. Well, you know, a lot of folks would be looking at you today and, you know, as they stand back and they look at all of your accomplishments and they said, gee, I wish I was her. You know, I really do. But like many of my guests who come on Mission Unstoppable, Lee, your life wasn't always easy. In fact, your childhood was extremely difficult. Do you want to give us a, a glimpse of that? Yes, um, you're absolutely right. I think um, a lot of people judge a book by its cover and, you know, that's an old cliche, but the truth is you True. can never judge a book by its cover because particularly in, you know, today's world, our covers, if you're successful and sharp, you're going to make it look shiny and beautiful and, you know, all those rough edges and difficult times are kind of hidden because you're not focusing in on that. But you can never look at somebody and figure out what kind of life they've been through. And yes, um, I, I had a little slice of hell growing up. Um, I, I grew up with well-meaning but very clueless <laughs> parents. Well, in fact, you called them muggles. <laughs> uh, yes, God bless them. And, you know, I really couldn't write this book uh, Frankie, until after my parents died, actually, uh -huh, both okay. of them, because, you know, if, if you read the book, it's it's very yeah. truthful. Yeah. Uh, they were both victims of victims uh, in rural environments that didn't really understand sensitive, intuitive children or that my very first memory um, in life was my mother telling her girlfriends how incredibly upset they were that I was a girl when I was born. And she did not know the impact of that 
uh, repeated statement my entire mm-hmm. childhood. You know, that they, oh, woe is we, we had a little girl. And so that set me up for a lifetime of proving myself, a lifetime of, you know, never feeling good enough, a lifetime of, you know, kick ass, take no prisoners kind of person. Right. And, um, and I will say in the end, meaning now, right. uh, that's all been a great boot camp because I'm not afraid of anybody. I, I speak my mind. I'm a truth teller. Uh, I'm fearless. So it was an incredibly hard boot camp that I wouldn't want to wish on anyone. But, uh, there was a, my father was a raging alcoholic. Um, and my, I got beat almost daily, uh, verbally abused, physically abused. Um, it was very ugly. I mean, and you I mentioned almost, that your sorry, you mentioned that your parents were farmers. You lived in a little town of sixty population, and your dad was what, like six four, and your mom was really tiny. And and so this abuse, you know, she took it, you took it. Yes, uh, my father was six foot five, three hundred pounds, and a big guy. serious raging alcoholic. Now he had a very big heart when he wasn't drinking, uh-huh. but when he was drinking, uh, there was just you know a really demon within this man. And uh, my mother was a tiny little woman under five feet tall. Uh, however, her poison of choice was passive aggressive. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I was 12 years old, I went down to kill myself and uh, it was in the middle of the winter and I lived, uh, we had like uh, 10 or 12 dogs at the time and I literally jumped in the water uh, to drown myself and all of our dogs jumped in, even the dogs that were afraid of the water and didn't like cold water. And they literally, and I mean this, drug me to shore. So I I realized that there was something bigger and better in life than what I was seeing. So childhood was very difficult, um, but... And lonely for you, right? It was lonely. It it was very lonely, but the loneliness, I will say... um, was a benefit in the sense of that I connected with spirit. I connected mm-hmm. with my spirit guides. I connected with something much, much greater than, you know, what we experience today. I wasn't plugged into any kind of electronics whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, nothing like that. And it's kind of sad today that children aren't really nurtured enough to be think on their own and that mm-hmm. they've got to have a smartphone or a, a, a tablet or a television or something stuck in their ears. It's, it's a great disservice to our children today to let them not connect to their instincts. Well, that, that, you know, make believe time, that creative time is, is something that's really necessary. You had a brother, you, you mentioned that your brother was the, you know, born and the Messiah had arrived, um, partly because your parents maybe were farmers and they were looking for those strapping boys to, to work the farm. But you know, what guy doesn't want a a son, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, What was your relationship like with him? Um, my brother was, uh, interestingly enough, didn't turn out to be the son that they wanted. Uh, he was quite the mama's boy and, you know, quite tied to mama's uh, apron strings. So the daughter turned out to be the kick-ass, uh, gun-toting, outride everybody, sharpshooter, uh, <laughs> who became super successful in life. And he just, uh, took a back seat to all that. Uh, but in spite of evidence, they still thought the boy was going to save them in life which was really interesting. Uh, But he far from jumped on that train. 
Did you, did you, um, you know, when he was born, did you feel, oh, this is a little baby and, and he's going to be my friend? And did you uh, want, want to mommy him or, or were you kind of hands off? How did you feel? You know, I was three years old. I, I honestly don't remember too much yeah. other than um, I knew something was amiss <laughs> when he came <laughs> <Okay>. home. <laughs> you know, yeah. that he got, I became the invisible child. Okay. Which happens a lot with people uh, sure. who are so focused, you know, like the Chinese, you know, yep. God bless them. You know, it was all about just having boys. And of course, today there are no brides. That's right. Boys. These guys are like going nuts because there's no women for them to marry. It's a very sad state. Yes. Very and, sad state for them. And very old fashioned thinking on everyone's part, including my parents part about the roles of boys and girls in the world today. It's a, it's a whole new world today. It surely is. So um, luckily, you, you found some friendship in town with the local, uh, was she a pharmacist or um, a woman who, healer? The, the white oh. witch? Yes, the white witch, Glenda. Glenda <laughs> the white witch. Uh, her name was Miss Samantha, and when I was about I don't know, five to seven years old. I remember um, she ran a little grocery store in a very rural area that everybody went to because the nearest other grocery store is 18 miles away. And it also had, you know, like a little hardware store and the post office. So it was, you know, one stop shopping. And I, I had this horrible wart on my thumb and uh, it was bleeding and I was picking at it and my parents had, you know, tried to fix it and they couldn't fix it. And she took me out back and she basically, she in a way hypnotized me and said that I wouldn't, that the spirit of God was in me and the Christ consciousness within me and that I would never think on this again. And I remember as she was saying that thinking, what the hell are you talking about? Because <laughs> I would imagine I it's bleeding and it hurts and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about it. And anyway, she just kept saying, you know, the power is within you to make this disappear and all these little magical things. And the next thing I knew she had taken me in the store, given me an ice cream cone and I did forget it. And three months later I was on the school bus and I remember, I remembered I had this wart on my thumb, but it was totally gone. And I started going up to see her. And I was going through some very bad times, feeling very unloved and, un, you know, uh, you know, the invisible child in my house, yes. unappreciated and unwanted. Right. And she just really took me in and she was such an impact to my life. She had really long blonde hair and this very infectious laugh, which I have duplicated today. And she actually gave me my very first journal and diary. And she, she would give me these very grown up things to say. And she would have me write them down, and, and, and many times I would have absolutely no idea what she was talking about, but I would write it religiously down. But for the most part, she taught me that humans were very afraid of their own natural powers and that she was the very first person who really validated to me that there was more mystical power in the world that than was ever being shared in education, society, or in church, and that she was a hands-on healer. And that she opened doors to me that that I needed to understand people are really doing the best they can for the most part and that I needed to forgive them, that mm -hmm. I shouldn't hold anger or grudges because that energy will make me sick or poison your mind, that you had to honor your intuition first and then what others say you needed to judge if it was right or wrong. Um, she talked about things like you can't change or control other people, but you can control how you react to it. 
And but the, I remember this very clearly. She had me write down what you think you will become, what you feel you will attract, and what you imagine you can create. Now, this is long before, you know, a seven-year-old understands basic things. But this woman was truly an earth angel to me. And she really I was. deeply, wow. deeply grateful for her being in my life. Well, we're going to go to a commercial break very shortly, but when we come back, I, I definitely want to know more about what she taught you and, and how um, you understood it uh, or didn't understand some of it as a child. But I think you had a grandmother who had a bit of sight. So when we get back, stick, stick around. Listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. LinkedIn. It's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. The largest joints in your body are your hips and knees, and they are often plagued with pain and can keep us from exercising. Millions of Americans have pain in these joints, and their pain can be short-term and injury-related, which is acute pain, or off-again, on-again pain, which is recurrent, or pain that lasts for three months or more, which is chronic. According to Harvard Medical School, the solution might be a set of exercises, pain relief medication, minor surgery, replacement, or some combination of these. The bottom line is, if you experience pain in any joint, get it checked out by a doctor. Don't let pain and immobility keep you from exercising. Find out what the problem is, treat it, and get right back into the exercise groove. All the benefits of daily exercise lie ahead of you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Well, we're back with the unstoppable. Lee Miltier, thank you for sticking around. We're really glad that you did. We were, Lee was just talking to us about Samantha and how she had really played an integral role in her life, so much so that she fashioned her hair and her laughter after her, um, because this was the one person in her life that actually showed her some love, and that's wonderful. So, um, did, I re- did I read correctly, though, that you, um, your grandmother had sight, or you were very close to her for a little while? Yes, um- well, what happened is when my gra- my grandmother died, uh, she actually visited me for a couple of years, and she never mentioned that she was dead, I might add. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, 
I just grew up in this very paranormal environment. So my grandmother, uh, after she died, she did, she would come visit me at night. Um, we lived on a ranch and a farm. So there was a lot of guns in the house and she would unload the guns and you could actually hear her walking around occasionally. But the really interesting thing about that, Frankie, is that it was so normal to me mm-hmm. that it didn't seem strange or odd that people who had passed from this life literally could communicate with you. And um, so my grandmother was also, yes, she was uh, very intuitive. I believe I got my skills from her. Um, She, you know, grew up in a very brutal environment also. Um, It is kind of documented that a lot of children who grow up in extremely brutal environments do become very, very, not that everybody isn't intuitive if you allow it, but children in danger are very intuitive because you cannot trust what people say and do. Mm -hmm. You have to actually learn to survive from a different, um, you know, connection, your intuitive instincts connections. So particularly children who will grow up in alcoholic, you know, raging, you know, abusive families are, are tend to be extremely intuitive. Now you had some, um, some really kind of creepy stuff going on. I remember in the book, you know, you talked about your mother's bed jumping up and down and she blamed you for this. That's crazy. Yes. Um, all I could tell you is I was, uh, I couldn't have been more than four or five years old. I do remember the incident very clearly. And again, it seemed very normal that, you know, strange things like that happened, but, um, you know, everything is made of energy. We have mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial energy every day. And um, I believe that there's a lot of energy that gets pent up in certain areas. And um, I probably did cause it, not knowing it, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we do have this power. I mean, human beings have so much more power mm-hmm. than society ever lets us know that we have. Um, but I do remember this incident. The bed actually moved, jumped up and down, everybody screaming. But at that age, I thought that was very normal to have very unusual psychic events happen. Well, you weren't afraid of them anyway. You said that they, no, nobody, you never felt fear. So that's a good thing. <laughs> no, no, there didn't seem to be anything to be afraid of. Uh, I, I think really there's very little to be afraid of on Earth. Uh, most things can be explained. and But, you know, there's an invisible world and then there's the visible world. Uh, it's just that we, we add such mysticism and uh, – you know, these terms that make us all afraid of things we don't understand. Right. Uh, so there probably just was so much psychic tension and unhappiness in that house. Uh, it just kind of presented itself like that. Well, it didn't stay there. You went on your first date. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my Let's talk about date. that. Oh, God. The first, my, my first date. Well, that was certainly a, um, an, a mind altering uh, experience. I, I had just started to date. I was around 16 years old. Someone fixed me up with my first date with a guy I didn't know because he went to a different school. I, as I said, live 18 miles from the nearest so-called civilization. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went to a movie. All that was good. And on the way home, he decided to stop and park in a coin field a few miles from my house. And I will tell you, as soon as he stopped that car, in spite of my protest, I realized it was in really big trouble. And that his intention was to rape me. I, I was so terrified. 
Now, I was a tomboy at the time. I certainly wasn't a pushover in any sense of the word. Mm -hmm. I had some skills in fighting and protecting myself growing up on a farm. But this guy was really big. Um, He was probably 180 pounds. He was a football player. He was tall. I was size. And I was like five feet, five inches tall, 110 pounds. Um, I was away from everything. I was on my own. So I remember... As at, uh, while all of this was going on, and I was doing my best to keep my pants on, yeah. uh, I remember thinking, God, please save me from this fate now. And I thought, oh, my God, if I got pregnant from this attack, my father would literally murder me. And I'm not even kidding about that. The brutal mentality of my family, it wouldn't have mattered that I was raped. It would have been wow. horrible consequences for me. Did they say that before you went out? Like, don't have sex. You know, you're not. Did they ever say that kind of stuff to you too? Or? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, this was not a taboo subject at my house. Um, oh, okay. My father's mother had gotten pregnant when with him, and he was considered a bastard child, which is a very dated term in today's yes. world. Yeah. But at the time, it was a lot of stigma, mm-hmm. and he considered that like the worst thing that could happen to your family. And so as this was going on, I'm struggling with this guy and the attacker. And then the the paranormal thing happened that was so life-changing for me uh, because everything went in, in – people talk about this all the time. Like I ride horses. If you fall off a horse, mm-hmm. you know, it often feels like you're in slow motion. <laughs> so that's what started to happen is we were struggling. Everything went into slow motion. I could see every detail very clearly. All my senses became super exaggerated. I remember the feeling, um, the sensation you get outside of in a storm when mm-hmm. lightning is about to strike. Mm-hmm. The air was electrical. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. And at that moment, Frankie, the most unbelievable thing happened. In the middle of the car, next to the dashboard, a very bright light appeared. Not in the dashboard, but above it, a round gold blue light appeared. It was a little larger than the size of a baseball, and it felt alive, and it had gold and blue. Now, when I tell you the appearance of this light immediately stopped my attacker, and frankly, it was such a shocking experience, it scared the bejesus out of both of us. My first thought was, oh, thank God, someone has heard me screaming and Mm -hmm. is here to save me. I thought for sure someone was shining a flashlight into the car. So my attacker jumps out of the car and runs around the car looking for the person with the flashlight. Now, he was pretty furious that someone was interfering with his plans. So I jumped out to be free because I thought someone was there to protect me. To the shock of both of us, there was nothing but dark silence and emptiness outside that car. There was no one outside that car. And yet the light stayed in the car. Mm-hmm. As we stood there staring at the car with the doors open, dumbfounded, since nobody knew what to do here, there was no literal visual explanation of what and why that light was there, but it seemed to have an energy source inside of itself. It was literally hovering in midair. I had so much adrenaline pumping that it was hard to think what to do. If I ran away from this guy, I was still miles from home, and sure. there no cell phones at the time. Uh, He had no idea what to do, but I can say raping me was no longer on the agenda. (laughs) Uh, So I think whatever this bright light was, it saved me. Now, 
benevolent bright light. Adult, I will say that even though I had no reference of what that gold blue ball of light was, it did feel holy. It felt divine. It, and it felt fierce at the same time, like a warrior angel. It didn't have any human qualities. It didn't make any sound. It didn't speak, but it grew, it glowed bigger and bigger. This guy finally screams at me, get in the car, I'm taking you home. The light stayed in the car with me until he drove me home as fast as he could, cursing the entire way. He gets to my house, screaming at me to get the hell out of the car. When I got out of the car, the light followed me out of the car. And for the very first time in my life, I actually really, really knew that there was more to our world than we knew about. It followed me out and then just started to dissipate, became smaller and smaller, disappeared. Now, I never told my parents about this for obvious reasons. They never let me date again. I never (laughs) saw that guy. And, you know, this is back way before... You know, we were educated that we sure. needed to report these things. But I, I've never experienced it since. But it changed my life just like Miss Samantha, as it was a guiding post to me that there's more to the world than we see with our physical eyes. Do you think it showed up for you because um, it, you know, I mean, why you and nobody else kind of thing? So do you think it showed up for you because you were um, attuned and and it knew that you would maybe understand it or well um i thought those things um you know grandma many, you know <laughs> no i i didn't think it was grandma actually uh many years ago you know uh when they historians talked about uh the ships coming over to america and the native americans that the mm-hmm. ships were out in the sea or in front of them but they had never seen ships they had no reference for it right and so it was only when the chief actually saw the ripples in the water did he know something was there and so what i believe it was is something i had no reference for okay so the only reference my brain could come up with was this ball of light. So what I do believe it was is an angel of some kind. Archangel Michael with the blue. Yes. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm just, you know, I'm just telling the truth here. Cause sure. Not, yeah. Um, you, you look, I, you know, sometimes these radio shows don't want to hear the truth. <laughs> oh, I want to hear every, I want, you know, listen, I'm a hypno, <laughs> metaphysical hypnotherapist. I can, I can handle this. You can um, handle it. So, I can handle this. And so I love, I love this point of view, you know, with this pragmatic, and that's why it's so believable because you, you have the pragmatic business side and the metaphysical side and they're married and you're successful in both. And, and I think that that's why people can leave you. And, you know, think about this while we're about to go to break. Um, think about this, folks. You know, what, what Lee saw and felt and how it saved her. And, you know, real or not, it was there. This guy saw it. You know, he drove her home. And maybe he drove you home because he was afraid not to be in the car alone with her. Who knows? But think about this because when we come back, you know, Lee's going to share this and a whole lot more. So make sure you stick around. We'll be back shortly. That's right. Don't stop listening. Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso will continue right after these messages. Stop. Have you heard? 
The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Have you heard about the daring man in Siberia who filmed himself feeding a squabbish brown bear out of his kitchen window? Squabbish is another word for fat and heavy. Brown bears are native to northern Russia, and adult males can grow to 7 feet tall and weigh up to 1,400 pounds. The YouTube video features the man placing chunks of salmon on his windowsill while the bear reaches in and yaffles it down. At one point, when the bear gets greedy, the man goes so far as to gently swat the bear's paw away. Okay, what are some words for a foolish person? A goostrum noodle, a jabbernole, and dottie pole. No word yet as to if the bear said spasiba, which means thank you in Russian. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. And we're back. And thanks for sticking around. We're back with Lee Miltier. And Lee was, um, you know, when we left for our break, we were talking about that blue globe, that piece of energy. And Lee has just shared with me that she is giving you all a gift. So you get to sign up for a video series. And it's the five types of energy. And you're going to get a video for each type. And you get to study this. And it's free. So you go to fivetypesofenergy.com. Is that correct, Lee? Yes, just five, okay. like F-I-V-E, types of energy.com. I'm pretty sure awesome. everybody can spell those things. I'm pretty sure they can too. <laughs> and, and what you're going to get is about a 15-minute video on mental energy, physical energy, emotional energy, spiritual energy, and financial, and how that is your currency every day of how you spend your life energy. And if you look at life from a metaphysical and spiritual perspective and how that this is your life currency and you're spending it every day, uh, my goal is to help you from the title of the book, Reclaim the Magic Back in Your Life. So you're not being a rescuer unnecessarily. You're not wasting your energy in places that you can't leverage and capitalize on because, you know, mm-hmm. I am an entrepreneur and I'm a big believer in, in knowledge of You know, nobody's going to take care of you. You have to take care of yourself. But you have to understand some universal truths that are not taught to you in school, not taught to you in, you know, in in any of your churches or things like that. And and just understanding energy will make you a much more prosperous person. 
Perfect. And Reclaim the Magic, you can um, get this book on Amazon. You can go to Lee's page. You can, you can, I'm sure you can get it directly from you. Um, so there's a lot of content in this book. And I, I encourage you all to, you know, uh, make sure that you get this. It's a wonderful Christmas gift for somebody. Um, but this is Mission Unstoppable. And that's why I'm talking about Lee's life, because I want to talk about, you know, where she came from so that you can see how she got to where she is today. Next, next coming up, you kind of found a, a purpose for yourself. You got a job. You got a job in a radio station. Yes. Um, at the time, I was working at a Tasty Freeze, and um, I weighed like 97 pounds. I ate my weight every day in junk. <laughs> <laughs> And they, they actually jokingly said, you're a fantastic worker, but you got to stop eating so much. Oh uh, so there was a dish jockey who used to come in to the – because I had all kinds of part-time jobs because I was – I, I really wanted to earn money as a, as a child. And this guy told me about this rock and roll station in Norfolk, Virginia. It was called WNOR-FM. And I was still in high school, and he said that they were looking for another female rock and roll disc jockey. And I remember thinking, I don't know how to do that, but I could figure out how to do that. And uh-huh. I marched myself from Chucky Tuck, Virginia, an hour away to Norfolk, Virginia, applied for this grown-up full-time job while I was in um, – I was a senior in high school, and I got it. Wow. And yeah. I never told them I was still in high school. And so this job uh, afforded me a whole new life. Uh, it introduced me to things I would have never learned back on the farm. Uh, I learned that my real skill and talents in life were communications. And I had spent my whole life in my guidance counselor's office trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Because in, when I was growing up, there was like 10 things they, they pushed women towards. You know, be a teacher, be a nurse. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to be any of those things. I didn't know what I wanted to be, but it wasn't any of those things. And when I got this job, I realized that my father had said no to me to everything. So I was very adept at uh, countering the no and giving him Mm -hmm. the benefits of saying yes. (laughs) And so I got this rock and roll job, and that was fun. It wasn't a lot of money, but where – when I graduated from high school, um, they had a job opening in sales, and sales is where I thrived because uh, a lot of people are afraid of sales, but I was never afraid of sales because I, I have high integrity, and I only believe in selling the things you believe in, but right. sales is nothing but education mm-hmm. and matching needs with products and services. That's all sales are. And our world makes fun of salespeople and is afraid of salespeople. But if you if you really understand the purpose of salespeople is so they can understand a product so that when you want something, all you have to do is have someone educate you. You can decide mm-hmm. if it's a fit or a not fit. But this opened up an entire world of reality for me. And I fit into this reality, whereas I had never, ever fit in in 17 years of my life anywhere. I suddenly... This this environment, uh, I thrived in this environment. Yeah, I, I have to laugh because we're so similar. But I remember, I, you know, because I went into sales and, and I had a, a manager tell me something that made all the difference to me in, in the whole world for the rest of my life. It was everyone has the right to know. And it, and it really changed my, my perspective, knocking that's, on the door. That's a, I'm writing that down. I love that. I know. It really changed everything for me. I am writing that down. 
It really did. And, and if you have integrity and you believe in what you're selling, um, you know, and, and you're honest with people, then yeah, you're just giving them information. Like you said, you're giving them good information and they get a choice. You're not forcing anything on anybody. You're not, you know, shoving it down their throat. Everyone yes. has the right to know. And then it's their choice if they want to continue or not with you. Yeah. And, and, and the truth is, Frankie, everybody's in sales because, I mean, you're selling yes. your kids to do their homework. Yep. You're selling them on why they need to be home on curfew time. You're selling your husband on why he should load the dishwasher. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we're, we're selling. We sell our personality when we go on job interviews. We're selling ourselves when we're at cocktail parties. We're. It's just and we're reading of- people in that too, and that's I think where your intu- intuition comes in, right? You're reading people as you're selling them. Yes, and I was. I have always been very, very good in sales because I can read. Uh, truth and not truth. Mm-hmm. And no matter what people say to me, I always have this internal knowledge of people are telling the truth or they're not telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And for those not telling the truth, I just, you know, mosey on down the road. I don't need to fix them. I don't need to know about them. And I certainly don't need to do business with them. Yes. So uh, it's, it's a skill. Our instincts are a skill that everybody needs to get better at. They need to stop taking life and face value because there's so much illusion and everybody has an agenda and like mainstream news right now it's like putting poison in your bloodstream every day it 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 depresses your immune system it It, certainly does oh my god wayne dyer said that you know he said that to me once he said he said if you can't fix it don't listen to it because it's just depressing and it puts so much negativity out into the world we don't need that it also it not only does that, but it also affects your possibility thinking of what's possible. The average person today in the younger generation automatically discounts going out and doing things because and taking risks because other people have failed at it. Right. My attitude is, so what? They're not yeah, me. That's right. They're other people. <laughs> that's right. So um, yeah. I'm I'm a big believer in. Paying attention to your instincts. I used to be a professional photographer and I traveled around the world doing landscape photography and I got myself in a lot of very dangerous situations in the Middle East, in Africa, um, even in Europe a few times. And it was only because of my instincts of knowing when the hell to, you know, like leave, get out of here, um, that I actually saved myself. So it's, it's super important that we go you – know, one of my books is called Success is an Inside mm-hmm. Job mm-hmm. because that's where success is. It's inside. It is. Yeah. Confidence is there too and, and, and being able to project like you know, you're in a dangerous you know, uh, situation, but you can project that you're badass and people are going to leave you alone. They just do, oh, right? I, yes, Frankie. That's absolutely true. I can pump my aura up and be mm-hmm. huge even mm-hmm. though I'm only five foot six. Um, I can pump my R up and I have, uh, you, there's studies about women, uh, people who've been raped Mm -hmm. and a person, there can be two people walking down the same dark alley. The, the perpetrator will sense the energy of the victim energy, the person who's afraid. And then the person who's not afraid, they won't mess with them. It's too much work. Mm -hmm. But the victims, they'll collapse and, you know, allow, allow themselves to be victims so right. even if you're in a bad situation, you need to come out there and be a badass. So um, many years ago, I 
I used to have a company that we put electronic background music and telephone systems in large commercial buildings. And I did something really stupid one afternoon around 5.30. I checked up on a big construction site of mine. Uh, my people were gone. Uh, I went inside. Just I don't know why I went inside, but there were three guys drunk who decided they were going to rape me. And the way I got out of that was I, I literally started screaming at them that I would mess them up. That I would personally kick their ass. I mean, and I'm cussing and screaming like a crazy woman. (laughs) But and then you know, but but it gave me enough time to get out of there. They Mm -hmm. were not expected. They were expecting someone to beg. Yeah. And I'm like, let me tell you something. I'm gonna hurt you because I know how to hurt you. And it was all bravo, by the way. But it definitely kept me from being raped. Big big. Big attitude. I love it. And, you know, I mean, there are many times in your life, even from being a, a young child, you could have stayed in victim. You could have stayed in victim and you chose not to. Yes. It was recently written about me by a very famous marketer by the name of Dan Kennedy that I was the least likely person to ever become successful because I grew up in a clueless environment with no <laughs> resources, no money, and no education. And, um, I could have easily become a drug addict or an alcoholic or just falling in total victimhood. But what happened to me was I got mad about all that. I just uh-huh. got very, very mad. And, and anger is a much more powerful emotion than victim. Yep. That, that on the scale of energy, anger is a more, more powerful thing to be into. So I said, I'm going to make something out of myself. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And the worst thing that can happen is I fail. I pick myself up, dust myself off, and start again. Which, by the way, I failed at many, many things, many, many times. But (laughs) it doesn't phase. I mean, nobody likes to fail. But what I I learned something from the situation and then leverage what I've learned. Right. And move on. I think Dennis Waitley said, you know, failure is not your undertaker. It's your teacher. I think that's a good one. That's a very good one, and I honestly believe that's that's very true. And nobody nobody can do it for you. I had a coaching client this morning, who basically kept saying to me, "I just want someone to tell me what to do." And I'm like, "Well, that's BS because you're an entrepreneur. No one can literally tell you what to do. And if you have that attitude, you are literally forsaken yourself. You're you're giving your power away. You 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 know." You have yeah. to make decisions. They have to be smart decisions. And if it doesn't work, you'll make a new decision. But nobody's going to tell you what to do. No one's telling me what to do except stick around. We want you here when we get back. <laughs> She's going to hurt you. After these messages. Stop. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. 
To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. It's Here's some fun facts about noses and ears I'll bet you didn't know. Did you know your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't? And generally, people with asthma have better hearing than those who don't. Now, here's a word for you. When someone gets their ears pierced, they're actually piercing their pinna. The pinna is the fleshy part of the earlobe. Did you know it's possible to sneeze so hard you can break a rib? That happened to my husband's secretary once. And according to research, you'll blow your nose 250 times this year. Scientists have also determined that the smell in your right nostril is more pleasant, while the smell in your left nostril is more accurate. By the way, twice as many men as women can wiggle their ears. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Well, I'm feeling unstoppable. How about you? Lee's with us, the unstoppable Lee Miltier. She's here, and we're going to move on with her life a little bit. She was working at the radio station. She was out selling her butt off, and she got married. And you got married, too? Yes, I did. (laughs) I I married, uh, like, the big heartthrob radio disc jockey and... um, we were only married about three months because um, in the I'm, three I'm months. I'm envisioning WKRP here, right? You with your big blonde. Oh, I, yeah, I used to watch that show. Yes. Uh, I was Lonnie uh, Anderson. Yes. <laughs> of course so uh, that's a term we haven't used in a long time. Yeah. But um, what happened was uh, my dear husband, who had been a uh, kind of a carefree guy, and uh, he had Miss Virginia come in, and they those two had a thing for each other. And on my way home, and this is so hilarious to me. On my way home, they had gotten to a hotel that I could see on the way home. Their oh cars out front of a hotel. And so I pull in the hotel, and I, I, it's in front of a room. I knocked on the door, and all of a sudden, through the blinds, I could see my husband's eyes, who immediately closed the blinds. <laughs> and uh, I, I went home and threw all of his clothes out, and... Uh, <laughs> That was a very short marriage. Well, that was the end of that marriage. (laughs) (laughs) And God bless him. Um, I I really didn't want to get married. It's just I had no money, no car, no ability, you know, to get any of that from my family. Mm -hmm. And when he asked me to marry him, uh, my family was like, oh, you know, it's good. We're getting rid of her. Uh, And and standing in front of the, the, the pastor getting married, I remember thinking, I hope I can fall in love with this man. Oh, yeah. And you know, that was not going to happen. No. <laughs> Did you get the car? Especially after the adultery. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that was a, an interesting adventure. Wow, that's too funny. So the next time you got married, it was to somebody that you did love. I did. I loved him very much. Um, I had worked with him in the radio business, and uh, we had a company together, um, and he was quite the entrepreneur. He was also a builder, and he was in the process of building a um, a new restaurant in a very trendy part of our area, and to do that, he had to take the parking away from another restaurant that had been there that he had leased that parking to for five years and had told them at the end of five years, you know, I'm going to take my parking back. 
Anyway, not everybody is sane on Earth, and the guy who um, we gave the notice to that we were taking the parking back uh, started threatening our life in public and started telling us that he was going to kill both of us and burn down our house. And again, my husband was this really, really big, tall guy and very accomplished, and he wasn't afraid of anybody, and he just ignored him. Mm-hmm. And on uh, I was a photographer at the time, and I had just done the Rolling Stones concert. And I had Christmas Eve, I went over to one of my dark rooms just to pick up something. And during that time, the restaurant owner hired a hitman who came to our house and shot my husband in the face and killed him. And on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. And when wow. I got home, the house was surrounded by police. And the police said, had I been there, I would have been dead because mm-hmm. the hitman would have killed anybody in, you know, in the house. Sure. He, he took none of the money, none of the jewelry. I mean, it was all the Christmas stuff out. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of, you know, loot there. And he, it, it was a definite hit. And I spent the next year in bed. Um, yeah. Devastated, not able to function. Um, finally, somebody came and had to come to Jesus, talk to me about, you've got to get up, you've got to live. And there was a library three blocks from my house. And I started, my first venture out into the world was, uh, one, I was very, very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, because I finally found happiness and it only had lasted such a short time. And I felt like the, you know, the man of my dreams had been taken away from me. And we had always talked about, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we never got to do those things. And so it was a big lesson never to just talk about things, mm-hmm. but to actually enact on the things you want to do, because we have no guarantees that we'll be here tomorrow. Yep. So living at the library, I this is where I got introduced to serious metaphysics. Um, it really introduced me to my future career as an author, a, a, a coach, speaker. So was this uh, your dark night of the soul? Was this that period? Oh, big time. Huge yeah. dark night of the soul. It was and, the first book. Do you remember the first book that you read? Uh, the first book that I read that changed my – well, helped me was called Rational Living. Okay. And a therapist uh, – had recommended it and it's very dry. I, I don't recommend the book. It just, it's just <laughs> so dry, but it, it did make me start to realize I wasn't very rational at the time. And, uh, the doctors, Understandably. Will give you, yeah, the doctors will give you anything when your husband's been murdered. So, sure. you know, I and was, all that stuff messed up your mind too. And you absolutely. weren't a clear channel any longer. Spirit so couldn't help very, you. It yeah. was a very life changing experience, but today, I will say that no matter what bad things happen, my reference, my frame of reference in life is I survived my, I, I survived my husband being killed. Mm-hmm. So if I can survive that, I can survive anything. Yeah. And so basically that, you know. And the guy, is, the guy, just, can I say that the guy who hired him killed himself? Isn't that true? He did. Yeah. He killed he himself. I don't know. I, I, I we would think, but that was yeah. an assumption on my part. And the weird, really wild, weird thing is that the at the uh, place where they're buried, the graveyard, mm-hmm. they're only about a hundred yards apart. Wow. His family plot, the guy who killed my husband and killed himself, and my husband's family plot, were I mean, just steps away from each other. You know, we talked on the other show, Lee, about choosing choosing the family and the life that you know before you come here. Do you believe that? I do. 
I do. So, I, believe, I believe that our soul wants to learn certain lessons and so that we energetically have soul contracts with people. Yes. And, and, and so like your parents, you, the, the lesson for you to choose those people. You know, I hated this knowledge for a long time that you chose mm-hmm. your parents. I used to just yeah. fight this with a t- just just incredible, like, <laughs> sucks. And I really don't like this about metaphysics. And yeah. I don't even want to believe that. But today, after they have passed, I believe that I chose parents who would allow me to really bloom on my own, make my own way. If I'd have been a little princess where everything was given to me and, and I was just treated with just nothing but love and respect, I certainly would not be the success I am today. There would have been no motivation to do that. Right. And you would have been remember, 15 living on a farm, pregnant. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm sorry, what was that, about 15 on a farm? I said you probably would have been 15 married living on a farm, pregnant. Like, who oh, knows, right? Yeah, any, yeah, same anything, lifestyle. Any, yeah, same lifestyle. I just, I... I just really, if I'd have been pampered, and this is a big thing that people don't understand today, is that they want to give their children everything. But if you give your children everything, there is no motivation for them to go out and understand the thrill of manifesting themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should talk about manifesting. We don't have that much time left, and we haven't even talked about it yet. Let's talk about the magic, the manifesting. What does that mean for the, the listeners? For people who don't know anything about law of attraction or manifestation. Um, Well, there is a magic in our life, and it's the connection to spirit. And manifesting is really that whatever you focus on mentally, whether it's good or bad, you actually do manifest So because we're self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm -hmm. So if you think you're going to be a loser your whole life, you will be a loser your whole life. If you think I may be a loser now, but I'm going to make something of myself and I'm going to take action and I'm going to learn and educate myself and do things, you can manifest an amazing life if you just keep uh, – you have to really control your thoughts, uh, which I teach in the book. Um, mm-hmm. I talk about the power of prayer. I talk about the power of rituals. Uh, I talk about the uh, science of imaging in your mind yes. and creating references. Uh, my book is – an interesting metaphysical but to do how to book Mm -hmm. so it's not just theory it's actually here's how it works and why it works um i just finished reading two books i was very frustrated um because they just talked about theory of you know if if, you know these things will happen well how will it happen right I, I, I'm very curious, and I think anybody who really wants to manifest in their life. So the number one question I asked everybody when I meet people, Frankie, mm-hmm. who are successful, I said, tell me your manifesting secrets. So I, I get a lot of people, and it's all the same thing. It's I made, I, I had a clear plan. I envisioned it. I went towards it. I controlled my thoughts. I learned everything I could learn. I asked for all the help I could ask for. But I just put, kept putting one foot in front of the other one, and then magic happens. I keep it on my screensaver. I keep a picture of what I want on my screensaver, whether it's a, a, a you know, right now it's I can do anything. But before it was my house. You know, I, I live in a log home, beautiful log home that I always wanted, and it was stayed on my screensaver, so I saw it every day. And in like two years of, of doing that, I had my house, almost okay. exact house. Okay, so 
I, I love that story. And the, the reason that works, folks, is because the, the brain is a computer and it's, it's quantum physics of the law of whatever you focus on, you will start to attract yourself. And when things manifest, it feels like the next natural step. So I, too, just built kind of the opposite. I built a brand-new beach house which is kind of contemporary modern. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd been visualizing, I, I bought the land 10 years ago, and then I spent, you know, eight years planning it and cutting pictures out of magazines and saving the money to do it. Yeah. And then when I had all the money, I built the house. And um, whatever whatever it is you want, if you keep imagining yourself having it, but then paying attention to the internal nudges within you of go do this, go do that. It's not just the picture. It's Mm -hmm. the actions you take because of the picture. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, somebody didn't knock on my door and go, oh, here's your house. Exactly. You bought or built a house. I looked for it, you know. I searched on the Internet for houses, I, I, you know, for a year. And then one night I found it at midnight. I found it and I ran to my husband. I go, oh my God, I found our house. I found it. I found it. I said, we're going to see it and you're going to say yes. <laughs> that right. was it. We've only got a minute left in this show. I want to, let's reiterate that you are going to be giving a wonderful gift to folks. You're going to give them the um, five, five types. If you just go to www.5fivetypesofenergy.com. You'll get a five-video set. It's normally $97 on my website, but I'm giving it to the listeners of Frankie and her Sassy show. Yeah, Mission Unstoppable. Sorry. That's the Mission Unstoppable show. Yeah, and because, you, because what you're doing is trying to give people uh, new references of that they, no matter what they're doing, they can, they can do better. This is Lee Miltier. You must go to her website. Thank you. Wow, we just ran out of time. People who, when the odds were against them, turned defeat into victory. You've been listening to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. See you next time, and always remember... Don't, 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 don't stop.